0: Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and I want to welcome you to Season 3 of Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with authentic and courageous leaders from all over the globe. You will learn from leaders you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolkit. Leadership belongs to all of us. It's not measured by stature or title. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. Okay, this this episode's going to be beyondfun.com. Yep, that's a new URL. I... Have been excited to interview this woman. I have to give a shout out to Tom Tompkin, another phenomenal professional and PhD that I found. And I want to continue to say thank you to all of the leaders who I've had the privilege to interview on this show. We're season three, we've interviewed over 215 leaders, and the leaders that I've interviewed have continued to stay in touch become colleagues, become friends, and they keep interviewing and introducing me to more amazing leaders. And that to me is just an un... Uh, how do I even frame this? It's been a gift that I didn't even anticipate and a community that I've created globally around this show that's now in 65 countries that I just... I have to pinch myself when I say that number because I don't take that lightly. So... We value your listenership and I want to introduce you to Dr. Mary Jo, which I also know and heard that she goes by MJ Burchard. So MJ, welcome to the
1: show. Thank you so much. It's such a joy to be with you today.
0: Oh my gosh. Another PhD that I get into the most intellectual stimulating conversation with a lot of laughter. And we've already decided that we feel like we've known each other for a lifetime and it's been a matter of weeks since we've connected. So changing things up a little bit this season and with some guests, I like them to tell their bio. Your bio is your story, MJ. So introduce yourself to our listeners and share a little bit about you and then we'll get into my juicy leadership questions.
1: Great, okay. So I am living in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and my focus in my coaching consultancy is, I like to call it storm-informed leadership coaching. Uh, it's really been shaped by my own story. So I started out in higher ed, teaching in organizational leadership. Uh, and during that time, we adopted a little boy from Ukraine who was three years old and needed a whole lot of surgeries. An entire childhood marked by uh, more by surgeries than by grades or or where we lived or anything like that. And that shaped my understanding of what impact belonging has on being able to tell the truth about who we are and what we need and and the power of caring deeply enough about people to accept them 100% as who they are and tell the truth about the highest and best that you see in them so you can pull them higher into that. Um, so I was in higher ed for a number of years and realized that as I was teaching in organizational leadership, that people had a tough time owning what they were spouting back in papers until they had what I would call a crucible moment, you know, uh, when when they were pushed up against the wall and were stripped stripped raw and had to look in the eye what really was important and how the way that they were living aligned with what really mattered to them. And so that that led me into my doctoral work, which uh, focused on the impact of high octane altruistic leaders who are impacted by trauma that they don't process. And long story short, one of the frightening things that I discovered is a lot of times when people don't process trauma and they love people, they often pour all the highest and best of who they are because they still want to make a difference. That's the one thing that they know. So they pour it all into their role and they let every other aspect of their personhood go dormant. And so you really see them shine in that role and you, they seem to be very authentic and engaging with their deepest soul in that space. But when you try to connect with them as a human, it doesn't work and they don't know how to do it anymore. And when you're in that space, you have super human capacity to perform because you're in that state of hyper arousal all the time. Um, and a role doesn't need sleep or intimacy or any of those other things that a human needs. But you're you're performing at that level. At the expense of the capacity for intimacy and the capacity for true deep rest, restorative, regenerative rest. And so that's why when you see people that are in that space, people say, oh, they're just so dedicated and oh, they're just amazing. And and nobody wants to fix it because that would make their performance level go down. But then you see these people crash and burn really just kind of self-destruct or implode or their health deteriorates or different things. You're like, wow, I, I never saw that coming. I, they they didn't seem like the type who would burn out. They seemed like they genuinely cared, but nobody was meant to just be a role. So going into that really kind of shaped the questions that I was asking myself and not wanting to just engage my head. I Research is always going to be important to me, but uh, I wanted to also play in the sandbox a bit. I ended up working for uh, the city of Virginia Beach for several years as an organizational leadership, internal consultant, and trainer. And then went into consulting in 2019. And since that time, I've also had the opportunity to work with trauma-impacted organizations in organizational recovery. And I've done a lot of research, particularly in trust and how to assess and build it in six dimensions and in in real time and open trust conversations, uh, change readiness and leading through the change experience by identifying in real time people's needs and concerns and meeting those needs to build readiness instead of trying to build buy-in because buy-in follows when people feel safe and uh, belonging. So those are my big three things that really they're the threads that weave through any of the other things that I uh, continue to do. So whether it's research, organizational research or uh, strategic facilitations or, you know, trainings or executive coaching, I tell people airdrop me into the messy (laughs) and let's work on being as humane as possible while we walk through non-negotiable tough things. So I like to humanize whether we're talking about the leader or the people that are being led, humanize tough experiences. Because whatever else we are, we have to start with the fact that we're people,
0: <laughs> the fact that we're humans. And well, it's not that's it. That's, you know, our from our first conversation after Tom introduced us, he saw the synergy between you and I and i love that i mean being airdropped into the messy coming in as an external person let's take the rose colored glasses off and and we can initiate and have those tough conversations yeah so i'm just pumped so i'm i'm ready to ask my leadership questions so buckle right. up buckle up right. okay i want to talk about belonging and here's the question Maybe I'll I'll wrap some context around it. And I'm sure you've seen this. I see in my coaching practice and even with cultures that I work with within any type size of organization, why do you think and feel as someone, as an organizational leadership coach and the extensive training you've done and even your dissertation around trauma, why do we link, why do leaders link their identity to their worth and worthiness to the point where their belonging is in an emotional overdraft?
1: I think oftentimes what happens is we have to go back further than the person that's they're in a current context, a leadership role. Because nobody is just a leadership role, even if that's all that they can see in themselves, right? They could be a shattered mirror and all they see is this fragment. But how did they get into that leadership role in the first place? They they looked at something that they thought had value. In this case, it was if I'm a CEO or if I'm a director of, or if I'm a C suite fill in the blank, or an owner and founder of, and I make X then that thing will put value on me. I mean, they're not consciously saying that, but that's really the process that they go through. So then they start turning off the things or putting out of their lives the things that are inhibiting them from reaching that destination and forgetting about their personhood. A lot of times they're forgetting about their personhood because they think that that is the collateral damage that's necessary. And that their personhood doesn't have the value that that position and that role has. So they, they hold their breath. It's like the Olympians, you know, once they get the gold, they are running the risk of suicide attempts because where do you go from there? So they're already holding their breath existentially until they reach some envisioned pinnacle. And many coaches, honestly, that's what they're helping people do. Turn everything off and forget your personhood and let's do everything that we need to do to meet this objective, to get to this thing. But when they get there, they discover that, that it's a whole lot messier than, because humans are in it, than they wanted to. And so their worldview, their hyper-simplified worldview um, of outputs and inputs and statistics and all that stuff, it's in a vacuum of story context, and so you you have numbers, but, you know, people say numbers don't lie, but numbers can lie if you're missing the context from how those numbers got there, why those numbers are the way that they are. And if you're counting wrong, if you're asking the wrong question, you're getting a skewed understanding anyway. So they've got an incomplete sense of self that they are utilizing um, that and muscle memory to use an incomplete understanding of self to try to solve problems that aren't supposed to be this complex and messy. You're supposed to, I, I hear it all the time, uh, leaders telling coaches, just tell me the, the the secret sauce. Tell me the formula that I can plug in to get XYZ outcome. And they they're not ready to hear the hard truth that in order to truly be sustainable and not live in that space as just a role, but to become a person in that role, they're going to have to ask a lot harder questions than what buttons do I push, you know, and what questions do I ask and what formulas do I, what leadership style do I adopt um, to reach this XYZ objective? Because the ultimate objective really needs to be tweaked. The Deeper questions need to be answered, are asked, and we're limited in our outcomes by the questions that we ask. If all we're asking is, how can I get out of this problem or how can I get buy-in fill in the blank for what that's like taking cough syrup for, for lung disease. You know, you're, you may masking the, the problem may, may be actually the opposite of what you need. And so getting people to a space of being able to ask the harder questions about who, who else are you besides CEO of fill-in-the-blank company. If this company were destroyed and your, your uh, resume were flushed down the toilet, what would you be worth? Who, who else are you? What else defines you? And so those are scary questions. This is where belonging needs to come in. Because you can, you can look somebody in the eye when they, belonging is not about fit because you and I, we fit to each other because we're, we're kindred spirits, we we get each other, we, we can kind of even complete each other's sentences in some ways, but people can not fit and still be set on each other, committed to each other and say, I see you and I value you as a human being and I am committed to this relationship no matter how hard the rumble's gonna be. And so when people feel truly seen, and valued and loved and not for an output or not if they reach an output, but because they are here, they exist. Therefore they, I see you and I'm committing myself to you. Then we can actually have tougher conversations than if they thought that if they don't do this, they're gonna be fired. Because the greatest risk that we have is to be invisible. To, to live on this earth and then for nothing and no one to have been crucially and meaningfully touched. And so I think that is the deepest connection to belonging is when you can look somebody in the face, hold them, whether it's figurative or literally, but hold them and look at them in the face and say, I see you, you matter, and I see this as who you are, and I'm going to call you to that. Then you can say, because I accept you as who you are, Let's get these other things. Let's help you to become a whole person. Let's discover, even if it's messy, let's discover what you haven't allowed into your life that would make you able to rest, that would make you able to have healthy relationships, that would give you the ability to have compassion on yourself, let alone your team and your organization. So if people don't feel that sense of belonging in themselves, there's not a single person in their life who sees and knows them, including themselves, then everything is at risk because the only value that they know how to place on themselves is the outputs. And so if outputs are the same thing as my value, they're not a measure of some of what I can do in the world, but they are conflated with my value and my identity, then I risk everything every day. And I need you. Your your vulnerability, your frailty is, is at risk of defrauding me of the only value that I know that I have. And therefore, there's a ruthlessness that, that can accompany, you know, keeping the numbers where they need to be. When people, on the other hand, and it seems like it would be the opposite. I'm not talking about giving everybody a, a trophy. Uh, you know, everybody's special, so nobody's special. I'm saying taking the time to hear story and hear What's really important to somebody and the, the deepest, most unique part about them, see it, validate it, and then help them to envision what that can look like. And the value that they have right now, even when they're unbaked, you know, then you have a framework to be able to speak so much more clearly without everybody in the, in the whole organization feeling at risk of either their livelihood or their innate value based solely on numbers that, that can be impacted by external things that you have no control over. Wow, I, I've airdropped you and you have
0: successfully landed. You know, I'm, I'm going to summarize it up really easily in a simplistic sentence. It's our role as an external source to come in and create that meaningful aligned connection and to be present and listen at a visceral level Like I always talk about heart centeredness, show up, be present, listen, not for reciprocity to fix, but to validate, I see you, I hear you, this is great emotion and bridge the gap between cognition and emotion. We're going to put a period right there. That's brilliant. Okay. Second question. It has permanent residency on the show. It brings a lot of laughter. What imperfections do you bring to your leadership, MJ? <laughs> and, and it's a
1: 30-minute show, so no pressure. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking the big one, I think. And it's one of those you have to make friends with it. But I am muchy. <laughs> I am very much. I, I kind of like if you imagine when you p- pull a Band-Aid off and it has more sensitivity, that's kind of how I, I look around and see the world. I'm, I'm taking it in. At a, at a really deep level. And so I'm very intense and then I need to restore, <laughs> restore myself. I want to quick, tell me all your hopes and dreams. I want to know everything about you. And, and, you know, I want to engage deeply with every, oh, I want to know more. And then I need to, to rest. So I call it, I, I heard a, uh, uh, a guy recently talking about his ADHD. I wouldn't hyper simplify what I, my, the way I am as ADHD, but he calls it bees. I have bees. And, and so, you know, when I wake up in the middle of the night and all of a sudden the bees start and, and you know what? And, oh, I thought about this. And, you know, sometimes I need to try to smoke out the bees and let the bees be quiet. But the deepest, most profound revelations that I've had, some of the most creative ways of solving problems and writings that I've done have been by waking up, waking myself up or stilling myself when I've been trying to do something else and listening to the bees, and <laughs> writing them down and then moving, moving on. So I would say I've, I've got a massive swarm of bees um, and we've made friends. <laughs> and that. Okay. My third question,
0: I'm going to ask you to simplify in three words. Why did you decide to do your dissertation around trauma? Share with us three simple words of
1: your why. Authenticity, integration, and wholeness, which I think is connected to integration, but it is. I love that.
0: Yeah. And it's so true to who you are in in the short time that I've, I've got to know you. My last question for leadership is... What was the shift that happened in your life? And I know you shared a little bit about this in your first leadership question about belonging, but what was the shift in you that wanted to carry you to get your PhD and and really bring Dr. MJ to fruition?
1: I was teaching a class filled with students who were in organizational leadership as their uh, major, but the interesting thing is I had, for all of them, I had been their academic advisor to help them get into the, prog- the program and get to the point where they were now majoring in, in organizational leadership. And they had respect for me. And for many of them, I had worked with for a couple of years. But when I was working with them as an instructor and facilitating deeper learning, I, I drove away the first night And it hit me at how, even though I was the same person, the way I was able to engage with people, what they would let me do, how they would let me speak to them was so profoundly different. Just being in a different role that it felt like a mandate. Like if I can have a deeper impact on people, if I can help them feel safer and, and more engaged just by doing this hard work, just by doing this hard work, then I, I have to do it because if I don't, I'm not optimizing what I can do here. So that was really the, the revelation that made me decide I, I needed it. Well, and it comes back to your first word for your
0: PhD, authenticity. It was, it was a calling and you airdropped yourself in and said, okay, let's do this. Okay, I'm going to switch to my fab four. Four fun questions. We want the answers that are just sitting on the top of that brilliant mind of yours. If I asked your husband or your son or anyone else in the family or some of your BFFs
1: to describe you in one word, what would it be? I think not to sound too Hallmark Cardi, but I think loving would be the word. My mom actually told me recently that someone asked her, who do you see as the most loving person in your family? And she called me and told me that she saw me and it, it moved me to tears. But that's not a squishy kind of thing. It means if I love you, then I'm going to be as real with you as you need in order to, for you to be loved well, you know? I love it. I love that. Second
0: question, name a book that you've read at any juncture of your life that was really pivotal, life-changing. What's the name of the book and who wrote it? And what was, the, what was the shift for you?
1: A Hidden Wholeness by Parker Palmer. It's not a very well-known book in pop circles, but that book really helped me. He started by talking about how as children, we were unveiled in our openness to the world and our willingness, to, our curiosity, our unbridled curiosity and our unveiled here I am, this is how I want to engage. And along the way, we lose that through disintegrating. So that book walks you through very compassionately a journey back into wholeness. And um, I think, I think if everyone could read that book, we would have a whole lot of different conversations that would be happening. Third question. I am granting you a wish and you get to
0: have dinner with a living leader that you would love to meet and inspires you. Who is that leader and what is the dinner conversation? You know,
1: there is a leader, an executive coach and organizational consultant by the name of Alexander Havard who I believe he's French, but he may be in Canada, but he speaks on virtuous leadership and how all cultures in the world have these core virtues that transcend other backgrounds that we've lost our drive to start there at our core and let everything that we do, that lens be laid over those virtues. And I, I got his book, Virtuous Leadership, and then I inhaled whatever I could find of his on, uh, on the internet, on YouTube. And I would just love to sit and listen to him talk because he's, he's dealt with so much deep you know, pain processing, but he's also worked with corporations and stuff too. So I think he would be who I would like to of that
0: okay, before I give you my last question, which is a sentence I'm going to ask you to finish, I'm going to give another shout out to Tom and putting us together. i I feel like we're we're two peas in a pod. We we certainly. Have amazing conversations and uh it's it's the start of a of a beautiful collegial friendship, which I'm grateful for. And just know that I'm in awe of the work that you've done. I know that I connected you with Becky Haas, who was on the show. Yes. She's doing so much amazing trauma work. And that's the beauty. I like to, I like to feel like even though I'm the founder and the host of this show, I'm like the concierge for connection. And I have a conversation with someone, and it's like, do you know this person? And I've I've created some beautiful global connections around the world. And I again, I don't take that lightly. And I I look forward to to more conversations with you. Yeah, so just know a- that I uh, I'm so happy you wanted to be on the show, and I'm grateful for your time today. Thank so you. finish the show by finishing this question. Or finishing this sentence. See, I love imperfection, even (laughs) even when
1: I do it. And we'll get along great. Absolutely. (laughs) Our heart-centered leadership is... Knowing that you already belong and are deeply loved so that out of that belongingness, you can extend that wholeness to others.
0: Thanks for joining me today on Imperfect, the heart-centered leadership podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed the show today and learned some new tools for your leadership from our amazing heart-centered guest. And if you like the show, we would welcome a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to, and we would love to have any comments or feedback at any time. And if you want some more heart-centered goodness, head over to our daily blog, masteringtheheart.com.